Coming to you from the middle of the country, a new voice in politics, a show that is breaking away from the two-party system. In the Middle, with your host, Justin Staten. Good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm glad that you made it here for another episode of In the Middle. So yesterday I was telling you guys at the beginning of the show about the national debt. And so I thought I would share another interesting piece of information this morning. So yesterday I told you what every taxpayer's debt portion of the debt was. What I didn't talk about was all of our unfunded commitments. So everything that the government has already committed to spend money on, but we haven't quite funded yet, meaning we haven't raised the tax revenue or we haven't borrowed the money. So when you include the unfunded liabilities, every citizen's debt right now is $542,746. That's right. Every citizen of America owes $542,746. So if you thought you were out of debt, guys, all you Dave Ramsey fans out there, you're not, thanks to your government. You you owe, you're on the hook for $542,746. I just thought you might want to know. Uh, interesting tidbit. So again, guys, welcome to the show. Today's show, I was going to talk about the real state of the economy, just the facts and some observations was the main topic of the show. But I just can't get this East Palestine, sorry, Palestine environmental disaster debacle out of my mind. And I, and I, I saw a tweet yesterday that really got me thinking and got me scratching my head. And I couldn't let it go, so I started following the money. And you're not going to believe uh, how the money trail flows. So I'm going to spend more time on that story today. It includes has to do with Mike DeWine, and because it, it just it bothered me that they Mike DeWine said in a press conference that Norfolk Southern is the one that wanted to do the controlled burn. You know, the controlled burn that created the mushroom cloud that shot hundreds of thousands, millions of particles, toxic particles in into the air and spread that over hundreds of miles, if if not maybe thousands of miles. And after looking into the incident a little bit more, I, I started scratching my head and it just doesn't it just doesn't pass the logic and common sense test, guys. So um I'm gonna tell you what I found and you're you're gonna scratch your head too. So we're going to talk about that today, and as promised, I told you guys that I would revisit the Nord Stream pipeline explosion because it's basically gotten no airtime, and I mentioned it in a previous episode, and I told you we would talk more about it, and we're going to today because you need to know the truth. What happened in the Nord Stream pipeline, guys, was an act of war, and it, the mainstream media is not going to tell you about it, and you need to know what's going on because there are going to be ramifications from this. And my fear is that the the mainstream media is not even going to inform you when those ramifications start to happen. So I'm going to share that whole story with you today. I found an amazing detailed video describing the entire Seymour Hirsch story. Seymour Hirsch was the journalist who broke the story, and you don't want to miss this. It's it's really well put together, and it's going to inform you of exactly what happened and how it happened. But first, guys, before we get on with the show, please 
share the show. It, it would mean the world to me if you guys would not only share the show so that other people can find it and so that the show can grow, but also wherever you're listening to this show, please leave uh, a rating and review, whether you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google, Samsung, you name it, wherever you are hearing this podcast, or if you're seeing it on YouTube or Rumble or anywhere like that, uh, leave a rating, subscribe, um, hit the review button, put some comments in. Let me know. Let me know what I can do to make the show better. It's it's still a very, very new show. Lots. I, I know there are tons of room for improvement on the show. So let me know because w- without your input, I, I can't make the show better. And, and I genuinely want to bring you the best value every single day. You know, I want to be a part of your commute in the morning. I want to be sitting there with you while you're at your desk working or where you're on the construction site doing your job. I, I So the only way I know how to bring you the value while you are doing the things that keep America moving uh, is for you to let me know how, how good it is or what you want or what you think would be more valuable. So please, guys, share the show. So moving on to this East Palestine debacle, guys, I, The whole thing just from the beginning has really had me scratching my head. You know, when I, when I first saw the images of this mushroom cloud, well, you know, we saw the the news coverage that the derailment had happened, several train cars carrying toxic chemicals were on fire. And then we see the plume and the controlled quote unquote, and I'm putting quotes around controlled burn and I think anybody who saw the footage saw how how massive this this burn was and how many chemicals appear to be spewing into the atmosphere and being <laughs> windblown over hundreds, if not maybe a thousand miles was quite concerning and scary. And I and I just like many of you I haven't been able to put it out of my head. And, you know, we we've covered it a couple times and you know, we covered the journalist that got arrested, you know, trying to exercise his first amendment right in the, in the briefing room. And, and, uh, but I just haven't been able to get this out of my head. And yesterday I came across this tweet from a, uh, a guy named DC Drano. You can kind of surmise what he's all about. Wants to drain the swamp in DC, much like I do. Uh, so DC Drano had this tweet and it really got me thinking, um, and, and I'm going to read this tweet to you because it. I was like, you know what? It, this guy's definitely on to something. And, and what he said was, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine says the railroad requested the controlled release, and he put that in quotes, of the toxic chemicals. Yes, Norfolk Southern, whose top sh- shareholders include BlackRock and Vanguard, told the government how they wanted this disaster handled. Something fishy in Ohio. And you guys know, I mean, the the whole thesis of the show, and this is why I can't let it go. And if I'm being frank, it pisses me off. And this is the type of crony capitalism and, and, and governmental abuse type of stuff that really just gets under my skin. It, it's why it's why I'm doing the show. And so anytime there is even, even a, a hint of political corruption, we should all be seething mad. I know I am. This is why I'm doing the show because I'm I'm so frustrated, so pissed off most of the time watching these these 
dirtbag politicians make decisions about the American people's lives based off of money and their interests or staying in power. Now, I'll preface this by saying I don't know that Mike DeWine made a decision based off of money or based off of the political donations that he received that helped him stay in power. I won't say that because I don't know if it's true, and I wasn't on the phone call with him and the guy from Norfolk Southern. But it definitely raises some eyebrows, what I'm about to share with you today. And it's why I'm, I'm taking off the economic part of the show and, and sharing this with you instead. Because it boils my blood. Because if there's even just an inkling, just, just even a hint that there could be a conflict of interest, then it should be talked about. And this is why we need reform. This is why we need to change the laws. This is why corporations should not be allowed to donate to politicians. Now, I'm going to take you down the rabbit hole a little bit here, and I'm going to do my very best to articulate this. And I tried artic- articulating it to my wife last night, and she, she, she was having a hard time following me for a second. But once I backed up and I explained things to her, she was like, oh, my gosh, yeah. She's like, that, that doesn't smell right. That doesn't look right. And she just shook her head. You know, the, the, the head shake of disappointment, disbelief. And we're going to get into that here in a second. I promise I'm getting to the point, guys. I, I just I have to set this up for you so that I articulate it well enough for you to get what I'm saying. So we have the train derailment. We, D.C. Drano points out that Norfolk Southern and Mike DeWine has confirmed this, asked to do this control release. And the first question I had when I saw the plume, just like all of you, is, well, why? Has this ever been done before? Have we ever done this big, huge control release where we just catch on fire all these toxic chemicals? And maybe one of you out there can help me. I did some searching last night when I was doing show prep, and I couldn't find one other example where we had 20-some rail cars with anywhere between 20,000 and 30,000 gallons of toxic chemicals in them, purposefully set on fire. I, I couldn't find one. Maybe you can, and if you can, please enlighten me. Send it to me. But I can't find one example, not one, where we lit, I mean, if there's, those train cars hold between 20 and 30,000 gallons. So if there was 20 of them, and that's according to the EPA's own reporting in their letter to Norfolk Southern. That's anywhere between 400,000 and 600,000 gallons of toxic chemicals. Primarily, primarily this vinyl chloride. Has this ever been done before? That was my first question. And furthermore, why why wouldn't they call... The other question I had in the beginning is, you know, you've got these train, train cars on fire and they were worried about the train cars heating up and exploding, right? That was the first story. That was the first story where we heard was that the train these train cars were heating up because of the fires and they were worried that they were going to explode. Well, question number one, why didn't they call in more resources? Why didn't they call in more fire department resources or 
National Guard resources and keep those train cars cooled. Now, there's, there's a fire chief up in Youngstown saying the same thing. They could have kept those train cars cooled. And even he said, and I can't remember his name, and I apologize, it should, should have been better prepared. I can't remember his name. There's a fire chief up in Youngstown, Ohio, saying the exact same thing. We could have kept those train cars cool. He's even saying this is unprecedented. We've never, ever seen this. You know, Their first thought wouldn't be to, when he trains on train car derailments and toxic chemicals, never is his first thought in that training to catch the crap on fire. It's unprecedented. So why didn't they call in more resources? And so if you remember the early reporting, the claim was we have to do this control burn because there are several cars that were worried or compromised and could explode at any moment. But we don't have enough resources to keep them cool. Well, they could have called in more resources. We just talked about that. But here's where it gets interesting for me. You're worried about these train cars exploding. So your idea is to do this controlled burn, right? Leak all the chemicals out and then burn them. And, and, and I'm going to back up and set the context a little bit more for you. Just go look at a map of where this derailment happened and where the main population center of East Palestine is. It's close, but it's far enough down the road that not everybody in town is going to have to worry about shrapnel. But that's what they said. They're worried these train cars are going to explode and shrapnel, dangerous shrapnel, right? The sensationalizing, right? That I've told you to pay attention to these things. Dangerous shrapnel is going to go everywhere. People could be hurt. Well, two issues I see with that. One, the main population of East Palestine, Palestine is far enough away that they would have very little danger of shrapnel. Not saying it's impossible, but it, it, it wouldn't be what they were saying. Furthermore, if they're worried about shrapnel, which is what they were reporting, then why did they take the time to dig a ditch? Oh, not to mention, let me back up real quick. Yeah, this ditch thing. <laughs> Just wait. But they had already evacuated the, the town. So the town's far enough away, shrapnel, possible, but the, the town's evacuated. So the only issue with shrapnel might be property damage. Property damage. If shrapnel's the real concern. Not people getting hurt, but property damage. And so they're worried about these train cars exploding, they're heating up, but they take the time to dig a ditch, a trench. Says so right in the EPA's report. Norfolk Southern takes the time to dig a trench next to the railway. And why did they dig that ditch? For the controlled release, quote unquote, to burn off these chemicals. Is, is it just me or does that does it just not make sense? You're worried about them exploding and shrapnel going everywhere, but you're going to take time to dig a ditch. You can keep the train cars cool enough, long enough to dig a ditch to dump chemicals into, to burn them. Does that, does that just make you scratch your head at all? 
Makes me scratch my head. So DC Drano's tweet got me thinking. Got me thinking. And, and I'm going to play this clip uh, for you guys. I'm going to play the clip for you guys here. Uh, and I'm going to let you listen to Mike DeWine and, and say that Norfolk Southern was the one who requested this and he agreed to it. And then I'm, I also want you to hear the part where he says he was on the phone with the CEO of Norfolk Southern and he committed that they would be there every day for the cleanup. Every day for the cleanup. And the cleanup part, guys, is where I'm getting to. So let's listen to this video and then we're going to talk about cleanup. We also looked at um, what the danger was from a controlled release, which is what the railroad felt should be done. Um, <clears throat> We then made the decision uh, to go ahead with the, the second option, which was the controlled release. Our environmental teams remain in East Palestine uh, where they're working directly uh, with the railroad and others to ensure that the site is thoroughly cleaned up uh, with no shortcuts. Uh, this morning, uh, I called Alan Shaw, CEO of Norfolk Southern. He and I have had, had contact numerous times since the crash. Uh, I discussed with him many of the concerns that we're hearing from residents, uh, residents of East Palestine. I asked him directly, directly if he would personally guarantee, if he would personally guarantee that the railroad would stay there until absolutely everything was cleaned. Uh, he gave me his word and his commitment that the railroad would do that. They would not leave until. All right. So there you go. There you go. Norfolk Southern requested to do this controlled release. It's interesting. And that they also committed to, to Mike DeWine, good old Mike DeWine. And, and I'm going to say this now before I get going. I'm, I, I apologize if it feels like I'm jumping around. But Mike DeWine, I said in an episode, I think yesterday, I have my opinions of Mike DeWine. Most of them are not good. Mike DeWine is a career politician and spent his, most of his life in politics. He was in the swamp in D.C. for several, several years before he decided to come back and retire as governor in the state of Ohio. The guy is as swampy and swamp ratty as anyone else, and it was unfortunate that he got reelected to a second term in the state of Ohio. I mean, this is a guy that pushed COVID, pushed lockdowns two weeks to slow the spread, and go look at his Twitter. He's also, you know, supports Ukraine, stands for Ukraine. He's also a virtue signaler. So he's everything wrong with politics. But he gives you that old shucks D vibe. Oh, shucks. Oh, I'm just old Mike DeWine. I'm a good man. Blah, blah, blah. No, he's not. He's a greasy swamp rat, just like the rest of them. And it's unfortunate that here in Ohio, that's our governor. We've only got a couple more years, though, so we'll get over it. But that's Mike DeWine. But, yeah, here we got the CEO saying, hey, man, I want to – I've got a better idea. You know, we're talking cleanup. I've got a better idea. Let's let's burn all these chemicals. And Mike DeWine's like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Mike DeWine's not saying, hey, you know what? No, let, let me get all the experts, federal experts, whether that be experts from FEMA, whether that be experts from – the EPA, federal EPA, the state EPA, the transportation department, 
and all the Ohio resources and let's see what's going to have the least amount of disaster. You know, could we contain this? And that's that's where we go here, right? Because the reality of the situation, guys, the reason I was scratching my head and, and the, the thing that drives me nuts is, do you know how expensive it is to clean up spills? Yeah, you following me now? Do you know how expensive it is to do soil remediation? Do you know how many millions and millions of dollars had, had they just put out the fires of the train cars, they would have lost thousands and thousands of gallons of these toxic chemicals into the soil. They would have spilled into the waterways, et cetera, et cetera. They would have been in that area in East Palestine cleaning up and remediating soil for the next four to five years. Guaranteed, because it's hundreds of thousands of gallons of chemicals. It would have been, I'll, I'll just save you the suspense, it would have been expensive. And when you're a publicly traded company like Norfolk Southern, owned by BlackRock and Vanguard, primary shareholders, largest shareholders of Norfolk Southern, hey, you can't disappoint earnings. Can't have an expensive cleanup. And, and now the story's getting worse. So instead they say, well, we can't, we can't have this remediation cleanup for the next five years. Let's just burn it. Why would they want to burn it? And some of you out there might be thinking, well, Justin, maybe, maybe this is genius. Rather than contaminating the soil and the streams and the drinking water in East Palestine and, and maybe downriver, maybe this was actually genius. Maybe this was the right call to light it on fire and burn it up. I had that thought for a split second. I'm not going to lie about it. Oh, maybe this was actually a brilliant move. But here's the problem. They just spewed millions and millions of particles. Maybe billions of particles into the air. And instead of contaminated, contaminating 10 square miles or 5 square miles, they contaminated hundreds of square miles. Animals are dying as far as 100 miles away. Animals are more sensitive to this kind of stuff. I just saw uh, a story yesterday where a, a lady up in East Lima, I think 10 miles northwest of East Palestine, chickens are dying, just literally dying. They were alive yesterday. They're not today for no, no explainable reason. And guess what? Some of those particles went northwest over East Lima. So instead of contaminating a few square miles and, and, and just focusing the efforts there and making sure we're, we're putting up the filtration systems around storm drains and creeks and rivers in the area and then just remediating the soil, I know it's expensive. It's extremely expensive to do that. Do you know how expensive it is to just light some on fire? I mean, we're not even allowed to burn tires. We're not allowed to burn tires. Because of the environmental dangers and risks to our fellow citizens that it presents. But it's cheap, right? It's much cheaper to burn a tire, burn a tire 
than to take it to the recycling center to remediate it. And Norfolk Southern in this situation was thinking the same thing. And the governor of Ohio and Pennsylvania, I'm not, I just, I live in Ohio. So the Ohio thing's a little bit more personal to me. But and the governor of Pennsylvania said, yeah, cool. Whatever you want to do. Light it on fire. Light it on fire. And you know how much harder it is to track where all these toxic chemicals go? Do you know how much harder it is to track where all these toxic chemicals go when you light it on fire and send it up into the atmosphere? So, you know, in a year, when somebody that's 20 miles away, a population center starts getting sick and dying, good luck proving it came from East Palestine. You can't hardly track it, guys. That was the point. You can't track it. Can't track it. How are you going to track that? You lit it on fire. Who knows where it went? I mean, there are some some indications of where it went. The This burn was watched by satellite. And we know the wind directions that day. So you could, you could maybe get to the argument and get to the point that it was caused by East Palestine train derailment, Norfolk Southern's train derailment. But good luck proving it. And they knew that. It's like having all the evidence right there and then saying, oh, let's just light it on fire and send it up into the atmosphere. Spread it out. Spread out the risk. Can't prove that. And it gets worse because now, guess who is responsible and on on duty for testing air and water quality up there? If you guess the EPA, you're wrong. Norfolk Southern. There are reports coming out of East Palestine and the surrounding area saying that a company that is an affiliate of Norfolk Southern is going around to residents up there and asking them if they can test their water and their air quality around their house to make them feel better, which is a good thing. But before we do, can you just sign this release? Can you sign this release saying you're going to hold us harmless? Norfolk Southern and all of its affiliates from any liability. You got to be kidding me. And Mike DeWine is allowing this to happen. And they can get a third-party company to come in and do it. But that's expensive. It can cost 10, 15, 20, 30, depending on the size of your property and your situation, up to $50,000, $60,000 to get the, the proper level of testing done on your water, your soil, and your air quality. But let's just let Norfolk Southern do it. I guess we know what DeWine means when he asked the CEO to promise him to stick around and help clean up. Why are we letting the company who created the mess do whatever they want as far as the cleanup is concerned? I have an idea. I have a theory. Cleanup and mediation is expensive, guys. And just as an example, and this is not 100%, okay? I will be the first to admit this. This is not 100% apples to apples, but it's close. It's like Granny Smith to green apples, right? There, there's an example of this, a, a somewhat recent example, close to home. I wanted it to be close to Ohio. So I found it in, a, you know, in 2010, Enbridge Energy up in Michigan spilled an estimated million gallons of diluted butamine, butamine into the Talmadge Creek. Okay, this is just outside of Kalamazoo. 
So a billion gallons estimate, I'm sorry, not billion, million, an estimated million gallons of diluted butamine spilled into the Talmadge Creek, which flows into the Kalamazoo River. This was in 2010. Now, diluted butamine is like a natural gas condensate. Okay, it can also, if it, if you have long-term exposure or drink it or whatever, can have serious health problems. Not the kind of vinyl chloride, chlorine problems, not, not death upon breathing in the toxic gas, but you can have some serious health problems with diluted butamine. Can cause cancers, etc. So let's just use this as the case study. They they had it, and it was a little bit different, but it was a pipe that busted, and a, a million they estimated a million gallons flowed out. Well, we had, according to the EPA's letter, there were twenty trail train cars. Those train cars can hold anywhere between twenty and thirty thousand gallons. So let's just use the low end. Let's be conservative. Let's be fair. So let's say they were holding 20. That's 400,000 gallons of toxic chemicals. And, and there, were, there were several different chemicals. It wasn't, it wasn't just the uh, vinyl chloride. There were several chemicals in there. So let's just assume, let's, let's use the bottom end of, oh, and here's some of the other chemicals. Uh, so there were three other chemicals involved other than the, the uh, vinyl chloride and the butyl acrylate. Again, I'm not a scientist or chemist, so I'll probably screw some of these up. Uh, ethyl acrylate, isobutylene, which can make people dizzy, and ethylene glycol monobutyl ether which can also cause coughing, dizziness, drowsiness, headache, nausea, and weakness if inhaled. Bad stuff. And if exposed to it for long-term, probably long-term disease and health issues. So let's just say, let's go back to our case study here with Enbridge up in Michigan, outside of Kalamazoo. So they had roughly a million gallons spill into the area, and some of it got into the Talmadge Creek and some into the Kalamazoo River. So not not that different than East Palestine, right? Chemicals, they would have went into some of the creeks up there and there were several, and I can't list them all because there was like four or five that could have been possibly affected by this, right? were affected by this, are affected by this, and the Ohio River, right? So kind of similar. It's going to start in some creeks and work its way out into some rivers. And a lot of towns and cities use river water for their water uh, that's what flows into their water treatment plants, and that's where the drinking water typically comes from, okay? So let's just use this as a case study. For Enbridge Energy to clean that up, it took years. And by the fourth year of cleanup, by 2014, the disaster had cost Enbridge over a billion dollars at that point to clean up through soil remediation, fixing stuff. Uh, you know, there were remediation actions for the local towns and municipalities, water cleanup. Etc., etc., etc. So, almost a billion dollars in four years. So, let's just say, let's use the same ratios there. We have 400,000 gallons up in East Palestine that could have potentially spilled out and contaminated the area up there, right? Keeping it in that area. So, 400,000 gallons at the same ratio, check my math, but what about 400 million? 
if you had to do some of the same remediation, 400 million makes sense for the cleanup in East Palestine, potentially 400 million. The Enbridge issue was over 10 years ago, 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago. A little bit of inflation. Okay, maybe you're at 500 million. Clean it up. It's expensive. It's expensive. I wonder what's cheaper. You know, getting those cars cleaned up and, and possibly spilling several hundred thousand gallons that you're now going to have to remediate and clean up and, 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 and monitor the creeks for the next five years and monitor the rivers for the next five years. And who knows how, how expensive that could get. But it would keep it contained to that area. But it's going to be expensive. But no, I got a better idea. Let's light it on fire and contaminate hundreds, if not thousands of square miles. It'll be cheaper. It'll be cheaper. Helps the bottom line. Helps the bottom line. Helps earnings. I have a problem with that. And you should too. Why would Mike DeWine allow this? Why would Mike DeWine allow Norfolk Southern to determine this best approach? Quote, unquote. Again, they had they were worried these things were going to blow up. They had evacuated the town. They stopped cooling the cars. Had time to dig a trench, even though it's going to blow up. <laughs> Why would Mike DeWine allow this? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was lack of judgment in the moment. I don't know. But here's what I do know. As I decided, well, let me let me see if DC Drano's got a point here. I'm going to follow the money. I'm going to I'm just going to check it out. Gee whiz. I, I don't like Mike DeWine. I think he's a greasy swamp rat who has a gives off an old good grandpa shuckster vibe, make everybody feel comfortable with him keeping you in your house for two years and shutting down schools in Ohio, making you wear a mask and social distance and shutting down church and events. How many of my friends couldn't get married in Ohio in 2020? Couldn't go to funerals. Thanks to dictator DeWine, old swampy, swamp butt, swamp rat, grease ball. Don't even care. Somebody share the show with Mike DeWine. So let's follow the money, guys. Are you ready for this? Hold on to your hats. Here we go. Who owns Norfolk Southern? Largest shareholders, Vanguard, BlackRock. Keep in mind, though, too, BlackRock owns 14% of Vanguard. And when we're saying percentages, like 14, 10, 5, 3, guys, these are billion-dollar companies. So if you own even just 2% of their stock, it's worth probably a billion dollars. You're, you're one of the biggest shareholders in that company. Look at Warren Buffett. I mean, he typically owns, you know, 3, 4, 10 15% of different companies, and he is the majority, the single largest shareholder. And when you're the single largest shareholder in any company, you have a say. You have power to make decisions in that company. You have power with the board of directors. You have power with the president and the CEO. So keep that in mind. Who owns Norfolk Southern? Largest shareholders, Vanguard, BlackRock. So really BlackRock, because BlackRock also owns 14% of Vanguard. Who was one of Mike DeWine's largest donors in 2022? And I only went to 2022. I didn't go back in previous years, guys. We already know he likes to get money from energy companies. All right? We already know that. We already know that. He dodged a bullet there. That's the story for another day. 
One of his largest donors in 2022 is a company by the name of American Financial Group. You may have heard of them, may have not. You might have seen their big building skyscraper in downtown Cincinnati. I think they made, I think they were number nine on the top 10 of donor lists for Mike Dwine, 2022. Who owns the largest stake or is this single largest single shareholder outside of the family that owned American Financial Group? Who Who is one of the major shareholders of a billion dollars a piece? An American Financial Group that is one of Mike DeWine's largest donors? <laughs> you guessed it. BlackRock and Vanguard. So BlackRock. BlackRock. You guys, you guys getting it yet? So making some sense. So when I say you got to stop giving these people your money, you got to stop donating to the Republicans, the Democrats. You got to get your money out of BlackRock. You got to take it out of Vanguard. You can no longer stay asleep behind the wheel. This is serious. This is how decisions are made. You wonder how the sausage is made. It's this is how it's made. And when decisions need to be made that can affect thousands of lives or millions, do we really want the people in government trying to figure out if the decision they have to make is the the greater decision for the people or for the companies and the corporate interests that got them elected? Do you want them in a moment of crisis or need or environmental disaster to have to think about it? Or even have an appearance of a conflict of interest. And again, I don't like Mike DeWine. I think he's a career-long politician. Hasn't really done much else but politics. And I, I'm not, I don't really care for him all that much in his politics and his policies and his swampiness. But I can't get in his head and I can't honestly say that that was going through his mind or that maybe a phone call was made and said, hey, um, gave quite a bit, quite a bit there, Mike, Mikey, gave you quite a bit of money. Going to need a solid on this one. You know, it would be cheaper. Let's burn it. Let's burn this shit. It's cheaper. I apologize for all the swearing today, guys. I'll make sure to put explicit on the show notes. I'm just done. This is why I started the show. This is why it exists. This is why you got to wake up. Stop donating. Stop giving them your money. If you got money in BlackRock and Vanguard, take it out, guys, because they, they're they part of that elitist class. They own most of the, or big chunks of the Fortune 500 companies. They have a lot of power and a lot of sway. So if you've got a, an IRA, a 401k or whatever, and it has anything BlackRock related to it or Vanguard. Oh, I know, but, but Justin Vanguard has the cheapest fees on mutual funds. So what? Let's just let's just keep the money there so they can use it to keep corrupting America and making our lives worse. Their lives are great. But how are how is yours? I can tell you the, the the folks, the CEOs, the people who work at Vanguard BlackRock guys, they're not worried about buying gas. They're not worried about putting gas in their car. They're not worried about paying their electric bill or their utility bills or getting groceries. For their five houses. But but you are. We are. Take your money out. 
Stop donating. Vote with your dollars. We can make a real, real significant change in this country starting today. If you guys would just take your money out of BlackRock, take your money out of Vanguard, and stop donating to Democrats and Republicans. You would shut it down almost overnight. There are alternative options. And maybe that's what I need to do. I need to do a show on alternative options. So you know, hey, if I take my money out, where can I put it? Where it won't corrupt America. Uh, So yeah, guys, that's the behind the scenes. Something nefarious going on? I don't know. But I hate the optics because it very well could be. Very well could be. So I'm fortunate. And I hope the best for everybody up there in East Palestine, Ohio. You know, we as Ohio citizens, you know, we need to come together and, and do whatever it takes to help help our fellow Buckeyes up there get through this. All right, let's move on. Uh, remember a couple weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, I've only been doing the show for a week. Remember a couple days ago when I talked about revisiting the Nord Stream pipeline? Yeah, so I'm back with that story as promised to discuss this huge, massive cover-up by the Biden administration. Uh, You know, I read the Hirsch report when it broke and mind blown, but it it was a long article, like very long article. Uh, I'm still very new at, at doing the podcast and doing show prep and all that. And, you know, I have a very short window in the morning to actually record this and put it together because I have a business to run. So, um... I was like, man, how am I going to dissect this thing in an easy-to-consume fashion for anybody that wants to listen to In the Middle, right, and join the show? And I was like, well, it's going to take some time. And it would. It would have taken some time to do that. So instead, I came across this video uh, by the Reese Report. And it does such a phenomenal job covering this bomb bombshell Seymour Hersh story. I mean, it's really, really good, put together really, really well. So I want you to check this out. I'm going to, I'm going to play the video and just, just for some background, I want to give credit where credit is due. I'm not, I don't want to take credit. I don't even want to make it sound like I'm taking credit for this video because I did not put this together. Uh, it, Reese, uh, Greg Reese did, and it it's phenomenal. So I want to give credit where credit is due. So let me, let me just quickly tell you a little bit about Greg Reese and, and then I'll play the video for you It and then we'll, we'll move on and, and talk about this a little bit more. So Greg Reese, he's kind of created a new form of journalism with these short videos. Uh, they're viewed by millions of people. Uh, he's been on the InfoWars platform, which has kind of be controversial. A lot of people are like, InfoWars, that's tin hat stuff and, you know, it's conspiracy theories and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't know if it is or isn't. I, don't, I haven't really watched a lot of InfoWars stuff, um, but I like Greg Reese's stuff, his videos, their, his explainer videos, are phenomenal, and, and you're about to see why. Um, you know, he's a reporter, historian, author, and broadcaster. Uh, he's one of he is one of the most trusted journalists uh, in the post WikiLeaks era. So the guy's good. Um, his videos educate, startle, mesmerize all at once, while avoiding all ideological camps, which is why they're consistently the most popular content at Infowars. And I would agree. He avoids ideological camps or mindsets. Same thing talk about here on the show. And you'll see that in the video. Maybe you've already seen this video. And if you have, you know what I'm talking about, mind blown. So let me play this for you guys. And then we'll we'll talk about it right after. Okay, here you go. 
Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Seymour Hersh, relying on unnamed national security sources, recently published an article on his Substack about the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines. Two pipelines, known as Nord Stream 1, provided Western Europe with cheap Russian gas for more than a decade. These pipelines were seen by NATO as a threat to Western dominance. Profits were shared with the Russian government and provided up to 45% of their annual budget. A second pair, called Nord Stream 2, had been built but were not yet operational. NATO was concerned that as long as Europe remained dependent upon these pipelines, Germany would be reluctant to supply Ukraine with money and weapons to fight Russia. And so the Biden administration authorized Jake Sullivan to assemble a task force with members of the Biden White House, the CIA, and the Pentagon to come up with a plan for the destruction of the pipelines. The operation was run by Victoria Newland, Anthony Blinken, and Jake Sullivan. The Navy proposed using a submarine to assault the pipeline directly. The Air Force proposed dropping bombs with delayed fuses. And the CIA argued that whatever was done, it would have to be covert, because if the attack was traced to the U.S., then it would be an act of war. In early 2022, right after the CIA reported to Sullivan that they had a plan, both Victoria Newland and President Biden publicly threatened to bring an end to Nord Stream 2. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Norse team too. According to the source, this public announcement meant that blowing up the pipeline no longer could be considered a covert option and that there was no longer a legal requirement to report their plans to Congress. The Americans partnered with Norway, who had their own motivations for the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines which would allow them to sell more of their own natural gas to Europe. In March of 2022, members of the team flew to Norway to meet with the Norwegian Secret Service. The Norwegian Navy decided on a spot in the shallow waters of the Baltic Sea, a few miles off Denmark's Bornholm Island, where the divers, operating from a Norwegian Alta-class mine hunter, would plant C4 charges with concrete protective covers on the four pipelines. Divers were chosen from the U.S. Navy's Diving and Salvage Center in Panama City, which specializes in training deepwater divers to use C4 explosives because they were Navy only and not members of America's Special Operations Command, whose covert operations would need to be reported to Congress. The mission was secretly embedded into an annual training exercise already scheduled for June of 2022, known as Baltic Operations 22, or BaltOps 22, wherein the Panama City divers would place C4 explosives with a 48-hour timer attached. But the White House then worried that triggering the explosion within two days of the well-publicized training exercise would make it obvious that America was responsible. And so it was decided that the C4 would be triggered by a sonar buoy 
later dropped by plane. The buoy would emit a sequence of unique low-frequency tonal sounds to trigger the explosives. On September 26, 2022, a Norwegian Navy P-8 surveillance plane dropped the sonar buoy. The signal spread underwater, and a few hours later, the high-powered explosives were triggered and three of the four pipelines were put out of commission. According to Hirsch's national security sources, it was a beautiful cover story. It was a covert operation that placed experts in the field and equipment that operated on a covert signal. The only flaw was the decision to do it. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. And there you have it, guys. And I, I want to, right out of the gate, I, I want to apologize. Sometimes the audio quality is not great, and I'm working on it again. Solo podcaster, trying to make the show better every single day. Good news, I've ordered some new equipment. Should be showing up relatively soon because of some of the feedback I've gotten from you guys. Uh, I, I do apologize if the audio quality on your end is not as good. It will get better, but hopefully you got the gist and the point of that that story. And this is so important for you guys to hear because this is a huge deal. It, it I mean, it's probably one of the biggest stories in the last four or five years. I don't, maybe more. And and I think this is why you guys are seeing a lot of stories about unidentified objects that are being shot down all over the country. Like we, we kind of talked about this on another episode. I, I think that's why you're being inundated with that. Oh, and guess what? We kind of called it. They still haven't recovered. How many days later? Still haven't recovered the 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 wreckage up in northern Alaska, furthest northern point of Alaska. Remember we talked about that? Or the ones in the Yukon Territory or the ones that, you know, fell over into the Lake, Canadian side of Lake Superior. Somehow we still haven't recovered those craft. Huh. Interesting. Uh, kind of assumed that would happen. Um. But I, I think that's the, the the deflection right now. I can't think of anything else. Yes, the spy balloon that we all watched and witnessed and sat out in our backyards and watched fly over was real. We have no confirmation that the other things that were shot down were even real, guys. Distraction. They haven't even recovered it yet. Really? It was that much of a security threat that you immediately shot it down, but you, you haven't taken the time to recover it yet. So you don't really know what it is. Yeah, got it. Okay. I think it's smokescreen, in part, not in total, but in part, for this Seymour Hirsch story. I mean, it's a big deal, guys. I mean, you listen to the video, big deal. The Biden administration did this covertly. They didn't brief Congress. They, they literally went a different route with the Navy so they wouldn't have to brief Congress. This is an act of war. That's why it's important to understand, like, you can't just circumvent Congress, when you're about to do something that is deemed an act of war. People are playing games with our lives, folks. This is the ineptitude. This is this is the, the elite saying, we don't care. It'll make us money. We won't have to go fight these wars. All these dumb hilljacks, all these ghetto kids in the ghetto and all these rednecks and all, they'll go fight the war for us. And it'll be your sons and daughters and people like me having to go fight fight the war that they started to make money. It's all about the money, guys. Got to follow the money. I can't stress this enough. It was an act of war, guys. There will be ramifications from this. 
The cat is now out of the bag, if you will. Even though our mainstream media doesn't want to cover it and isn't talking about it, the cat is out of the bag. Other countries around the world now know. I'm sure they had their suspicions, but now they have the story and the proof behind this. This will have serious ramifications. My fear is, is that the media will hide even the ramifications from us. It'll, it'll be like getting sucker punched is what it's going to feel like if we don't pay attention. That's why I'm bringing it, bringing it up. And that's why I want you guys to hear it because I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, they're already not covering it and I'm concerned they're not going to cover the ramifications either. So all of a sudden, one day, it's going to feel like we're getting sucker punched and, and then they're going to sensationalize the sucker punch. Oh, Russia came out of nowhere and just punched you in the face. Oh, because they're, they're aggressive and they're aggression and they want to dominate the world. That's why they punched you in the face. Or no, maybe it's because we blew up their pipeline. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe because we struck first. But that's how the media will cover the whole thing. And it'll, it'll feel like a sucker punch to us, to you. But we're going to stay on top of it, and I'll make sure to keep my ear to the ground for you guys so that we don't feel like we got sucker punched. Anyway, guys, that's it. That's all I got time for. Again, I've got to run. I got to get on with my day and 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 run the business. I, I work just like you guys every single day. And and uh, so uh, I hope this this show was you know brought some value to you, made you think, got you fired up. Maybe it'll make you stop donating to political parties and pulling your money out of BlackRock and Vanguard. I hope that's the case. Please share the show. It's so important that we get on the same page and we fight this fight together, guys. So thanks again for uh, tuning in. And wherever you're watching this podcast from, please leave me a rating and review or some comments so I can make the show better for you every single day. I will be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, have a great American day.